Welcome to Books That Work, the best and most useful bits of business books. I'm Anna Hughes and my professional purpose is to help people love their work. When things happen to us or we get an emotional uh, lemon thrown at us, we want to turn it into lemonade. But first we still need to understand that, you know, my chest is hurting or my throat is hurting. I've coached a lot of people through marriage breakdowns and affairs and losing their job or getting a cancer diagnosis and we sit in the pain. And when we sit in it, it means we acknowledge it. That's Shanna Kennedy, author of Plan B, a guide to navigating and embracing change. We're often told that change is just part of work and life today. I've always agreed with that, but not many of us could have expected the change we've had to navigate through with COVID-19. The way we work's changed, what the media focus on has changed, what our politicians do has changed, and our day-to-day lives for us and our families have changed and will continue to. So hopefully this episode and book Plan B is a really timely one. Before we get into the speed read, thank you again for the feedback and those who are new listeners. I love the volunteer firefighter who started listening to the early Books at Work episodes because their crew is building a new team and culture. Thank you for listening and please keep that feedback going. On to our speed read of Plan B. Plan B is a book that goes to the heart of the human side of change. You might be familiar with change models, ADCAR, VUCA, or B in an organisation that is growing their change practice. What struck me about Plan B was that we can sometimes forget about the deeply personal impact of change and how we equip ourselves to manage through it. Corporate change models or communities of practice can skate over the depth of this personal impact. That's where Plan B is such a gift. It says change can turn our plans, lives and dreams upside down. Redundancy, economic downturn, COVID-19, relationships, loss, health scares, it's all change. And it takes time to work through. How do we accept it, change direction, reset and move forward? Our conversation with Shanna goes into some of the detail in Plan B, so I will pick out a few specific practical steps in a couple of the stages of the Plan B change journey. Stage 1. The change. Start with stopping. Recognise the change. It will make it easier to respond to it. Stop. Breathe. Acknowledge what you're feeling and your fears. Embrace the grief. Sit with it. Process the loss of what was and get ready to write a new chapter. Acknowledge that the last chapter didn't end well or was different to what you're facing now. Feel the pain and name it. Understand your emotions, their chemical reactions to what you're thinking and going through. Soften them by staying with them. Accept them and what you're feeling without judgment. When you're ready, turn a new page and work on a new story for you. Some of the gems from the stage one of the Plan B book, tiptoe, but take a step in the right direction. Bounce forward rather than bounce back. Introduce resilience and hardiness. Love this concept of hardiness. The pain of not changing with change can sometimes be more painful than facing the change and creating a new plan for yourself. Stage two, the healing. Plan B advises to create space to navigate through the change. 
I sometimes get a bit fatigued and turned off by a lot of the talk about self-care and self-kindness, but I'm totally bought into it as part of the Plan B approach to navigating change. Shanna Kennedy talks about refuelling our physical and emotional tanks. This matters because our health is our wealth, and it's not just how physically well we are, but our emotional, mental, spiritual and physical health that are all important. So our heart, mind, body and soul. Sink into self-care. That says it all to me, sinking into self-compassion. Find patience and hope. Impatience creates frustration and negative emotion. Tomorrow is always there and that's a good thing. Relinquish the past. We can do this by celebrating small achievements to help create progress forward. These two stages are the precursors to stage three, the pivot and the focus on rebuilding foundations and creating a new roadmap. And stage four, the awakening, where you start on the new journey. Rebuilding the foundation starts with redefining your values and purpose. Plan B says this will give us a compass and become our number one decision-making tool. List the three most important values to you. Choose just three. There are 30 listed in the book. Being clear on our values should help keep our minds uncluttered and help with decision making. Plan B says they also help define our purpose. And some questions to start creating that new roadmap. What makes us happy? Where do we enjoy spending our time the most? And what's easy and effortless? Let's get into our conversation with Shanna Kennedy now. So I'm welcoming to Books at Work, Shanna Kennedy. Welcome, Shanna. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to our great chat. Me too, and I'm really pleased that one of our Books at Work community recommended your book. Um, Now, the first question that I always ask is, uh, where in the world are you and what's the view out your window? I am in Melbourne in Victoria, Australia, and uh, looking out my window, I have my office, which looks out into my front garden so I get to see beautiful trees and the green grass and a bit of colour which is really important to me. And how have you been coping with the COVID uh, situation in Melbourne? Well it's been very it's been tough um, for people in Melbourne but being a coach you know for the last two years I've I've got a little sticky note here that says what's the gift So every day I have to actually ask myself, what is the gift of today? And every day for the last two years, I've found a gift. And one of the biggest thing is just capturing that time with two teenagers that normally would be off and partying and now they're at home. And I feel like I've had some stolen time and I'm a little bit of an introvert, even though I speak on stages, it's quite bizarre, but I actually love, I love home and I haven't had to go to parties and things which I normally don't like. So I've been quite happy to tell you the truth. Snap, I'm just like that as well. <laughs> um, right, so I wanted to get into um, the the specific helpful things out of the book and we've got a lot to get through. So I guess I wanted to start with, that, you know, there are a lot of change models out there and just interested in, in your, your arrow and why you landed on the four stages. Yeah, fantastic. Well, you know, when COVID first happened um, last year and I got within one week about 25 phone calls cancelling all of my speaking engagements for the year, 
I just sat there stunned and it really, I really reflected on the 20 years of my coaching and I have coached people through divorce, job loss, everything. And it all came to me that we need a roadmap through and I coach it, but I haven't written it as a roadmap and there was nothing out there. So it really came to me in one night where I saw the four pillars very clearly. And I just got up at 3 a.m. and wrote the four pillars out and all the headings. And it was just that that incredible clarity that came from people experiencing change. And I know how to teach the human side of change. So I wanted to put it into a book for people. And I think that concept of the human side of change is captured so wonderfully in the book. You know, it's not the ADCAR model, it's not your normal change models, it's deeply human. And I think it's, I I love that. Um, So Plan B came from a very personal place for you. You know, you you used your experiences. Um, Why did you need a Plan B? Well, I I need a plan B quite often because I have (laughs) chronic fatigue syndrome. So, you know, I had burnout by the time I was 30. I had to have a couple of years off work. I was lying in bed for a couple of years. I, I married my job. I thought I was my job. And the question of who are you without my job, I had no answer to. And that's actually when I first got myself a coach and then I ended up being a coach and, and studying to open my practice. But my plan B was my life will never be what I thought it was going to be because my body will never do and be pushed as hard as I really want to push it, being an A-type overachieving perfectionist. So I've really had to always have a bit of a plan B and to manage my condition and still be an A-type achieving less perfectionist, but be a healthier version of that along the way. So you know, there is grief that comes in cycles still for me now where I get up and I feel like I've been hit by a Mack truck. And it's it's just what we have to deal with when you have a condition like this, an autoimmune condition. So if we could talk about, thank you for that. Sorry, I shouldn't just just go on to the next question. <laughs> thank you for okay. sharing that. Um, so if we could just go through some of the concepts in your book and the model. Um, and if we start with the change, and you've got this concept of feeling the pain and naming it, what sort of pain are you talking about? And how do you feel and name it? And why does that matter? Yeah. Well, the first pillar is always the change, the curveball that you got thrown. So say you fell off your bike. The first thing that we do is stop and breathe, you know, breathe. Then what's hurting? You know, we want to name it. You know, I've hurt my elbow, I've hurt my knee, or I can't breathe, or my tummy hurts, or whatever it might be. And acknowledge, I just fell off my bike and it really hurts. And then it's really about I'm a bit sad because I thought I could ride a bike and now I've lost my confidence, et cetera. And then it's about choosing our story that, oh, I just fell off my bike. And when we transfer that into the human change, this is all about, you know, when when things happen to us or we get an emotional uh, lemon thrown at us, we want to turn it into lemonade. But first we still need to understand that, you know, my chest is hurting or my throat is hurting. I've coached a lot of people through marriage breakdowns and affairs and losing their job or getting a cancer diagnosis. And we sit in the pain. And when we sit in it, it means we acknowledge it. And when we acknowledge it, we can let it go. The other option is to distract ourselves totally 
And that's when people, you know, will turn to substance abuse or they'll go shopping and spend a lot of money or they'll do something else just to distract themselves. The pain is still there. It doesn't go away. So when we name it and we feel it and we understand it, we go, okay, I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling shattered. You know, I'm feeling betrayed or I'm, I'm feeling scared about what my, my future looks like. That's okay. It means you've understood it and you've acknowledged it and then we can start repairing it. So that idea of sitting in the pain when it comes to change, I found really valuable and I wondered how easy is it to do that? Well, I've done a lot of training on this myself. So <laughs> this is about actually stopping and sitting still. So I just sit in my chair and I just sit and I just think, wow, I feel like I've been hit by a truck today. Chronic fatigue is back. Let's acknowledge it. Let's notice it and let's name it. And let's just sit. Where is the pain? It's in my legs. It's in my arms. It's in my throat, whatever it might be. And we just sit still. And it's so clear when we sit still. So all of my clients, when they're coming to me at a crossroads, we sit still. Okay, let's really try and get to the bottom of what it is that you're actually feeling. Mm, okay. So it's and actually not as overwhelming or difficult as people think. Yeah, I guess it's just that awareness and that permission to be able to do it. Um, yes. And so if we, if we follow that kind of feeling line, you talk about grief and change and and embracing grief can you talk a little bit about that and what does grief look like when you're going through change yeah I love this topic and I, I I've wanted to write this down for 20 years you know it was nobody tells us about grief we think grief is for a funeral you know when we've lost someone that we loved but COVID really highlighted that we're grieving that we can't have someone over for a cup of tea or we can't go to the coffee shop or, you know, we, we couldn't have anyone in our home or my mum was in hospital. I couldn't see her. I was not allowed in and she'd had a heart attack. So this was grief. So grief comes in all different ways, whether it be our, our kids can't see their friends, the smallest of things. We can't sit down at the coffee shop and actually have our coffee. Uh, we can't talk to the barista. He has to hand it through the window. People experienced grief, but they didn't know what it was. And so I did a lot of speaking last year on the topic of grief to say, you know, when you get those rushes of anxiety or overwhelm or sadness and you don't know why, it's a cycle of grief coming in. So we can feel it quite often and we can just grieve quite often actually and it can be short and sharp. It doesn't have to be like a funeral and it is a part of our life. And is it... Is there something there about naming it as well, or what? What? what why does it? Why, why does it matter to kind of know that there is that sort of grief? Because it's a human emotion, and we're never taught it. And I think when we understand it, that we go into shock, and then we go into denial, and then we go into embarrassment, and um, we, we we pretend it didn't happen, and then we want to own it, and then we want to talk about it. When you understand, you actually are at peace with yourself because you're not thinking, oh, no, I've got depression or anxiety or overwhelm. You actually don't. You're just having a, a period of grief. Mm, I love that. Um, so a lot of people found that very comforting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I really like that. Thank you. Um, so uh, another piece that I wanted to focus on um, in our conversation is healing. And um, you have this concept of refueling your physical and emotional tanks. What do you mean by that? 
Yeah, so once you've fallen off the bike and you've named it and all of those kind of things, if we put it into that language, this is about, oh, okay, we've got to catch our breath. We've just got to gather ourselves before we get back on. So once we've had a curveball thrown at us or a change happen to us or we decided to change, we also then need to have a bit of a pause moment where we learn how to breathe, where we look at our fuel tanks. So our health is physical, mental, emotional and spiritual. So there's four buckets of, to our health. And are those buckets full before you ride off again? So it's a really nice time to go, what am I doing for my physical health? Eating, moving, sleeping, breathing. How can I tweak that or refine that so that I actually have more energy? Then there's our mental health, which is our brain, which is a computer. What am I telling myself? What's the story? You know, I am strong. What is the gift of today? You know, bringing in these wonderful affirmations and questions. And our emotional health is our heart space. That is the ability to give and receive and to love ourselves before we love others. And a lot of people have missed that step. So they're not treating themselves as they would their best friend. So we want to do that before we head off again. Um, and then there's our spiritual bucket, our spiritual health, which is feeling like we belong to something greater than ourselves. So it could be a community, a religion. It could be the universe. For me, it's I'm a part of the universe um, and really don't have much to stress about because I'm a dot on the planet spinning around the universe. So just to keep that perspective going. So healing is a really important part of recovery and not just going from re that knee-jerk reaction. It, so the book really invites you to take a breath because after coaching people for so many years and high-performance people, it's like you do an Olympics. You need to recover. We need to recover when we leave a job or something happens to our health or our marriage or our relationships or actually you took a promotion. Your life will change when you step up the ladder as well. So it's not always bad. Sometimes it's we take a big promotion. We've got a lot more responsibility. We need to gather ourselves first and not jump in too quick. Just actually allow our body to catch up. So in that you talked about getting perspective and um, you talk a bit about mindfulness in the book and I've always struggled with this and I'm trying really hard at the moment to to learn that but I'm finding it very hard. I'm, I'm noticing that on my Apple Watch they've added a new mindful um, thing each day which yeah, yeah I'm trying to um, be mindful of, you know, trying to be mindful of. Anyway, so what, what what role does mindfulness play in helping people heal and recover? Well, mindfulness is about grounding yourself. So if you think about yourself being flighty or emotional, we want to ground ourselves into the earth, like really ground yourself and feel that calm confidence. And calm confidence comes when we can breathe properly. So if we're breathing and we're calm and we're confident and we're mindful, which means we taste our food, we notice the weather, we look at the trees, we sip that coffee and we taste, actually taste it, we touch things, we can smell things, we, we take the time just to do that. Very small micro moments that it's a little game that we play in our head. It means you're very calm and very confident because you are mindful of everything that's happening around you. 
So it's an incredible skill to be working on for the rest of your life. So really keen to spend a little bit of time around the pivot and the, the section of the book. Um, and so how you, how you move on and uh, kind of work out what next when you're going through change. Mm. And you talk mm. about uh, starting with redefining your values and purpose. Interested to know why that's so important. Yeah, this is something else we never get taught at school. So our values are like the foundation of the building. The, the concrete slab that we then want to build the house on. But people go and build the house without the concrete slab. What, what we want to do is go back to our home base, which is our own set of values. So our values are what's deep in our belly. It's what is most important to you. So if you write down on a little sticky note the three most important things to you, so for mine it's my health, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. It is my family happiness, which is how I show up as a wife, am I fun and inspiring? As a mum, am I warm and nurturing? For my clients, friends and family, am I calm and confident? And the third one for me is achievement. If I don't achieve every day, I'm just not happy. So the achievement might be to do my breathing, to make sure I did my walk. So I have then a purpose for the rest of my life because every day, what decisions am I making that support my own set of values? You know, what am I doing with the way I'm eating to support my values or the way I'm moving my body or the way I'm doing my meditation or journaling or mindfulness? Is that feeding my own values, which is really important? Achievement, if I just focus on selling 10,000 books every day, that's actually not achievement. It's not healthy achievement. So the achievement might be that I was mindful today. Or the achievement might be that I really um, was present today for my family. So how, what are some of the first steps that people who are looking to redefine their values and purpose, what are some of the first things that they, they could start doing? Well, first of all, it's asking powerful questions, and they're all in the book as well. It is, okay, you're off the bike. What's most important to you now moving forward? So what is most important to you in your life? And secondly, what changes can you make right now, today? We can make change today. What is not working for you? And just make sure that you make that change every day. So every day I ask myself, what change could you make today? And just slowly do that refining of the button every day. And that's how we evolve. That's how we become a better version of ourselves, our 10-year-old our, our role model. And we always start with values. So Every client, every CEO, every elite athlete that we work with absolutely have their values ground into their brain. So for me, they're on my screensaver. They're on a yellow sticky note here that's like 20 years old. Um, <laughs> I see it every single day and I cannot forget that that is the boss. And we can build from there, but that's the boss. So a couple of things that are really keen to talk about is this idea of upgrading your attitude. I really like that in the book. Why is that important and what, what is it? Well, upgrading your attitude is, is really all about, you know, do you want to be the victim mentality and play the blame game? Or do we want to take full responsibility for what's happened and then really reframe the stories and the affirmations in the brain. And if you think of the brain like a computer program and it's got a few viruses in it, what we want to do is retype in every morning, how do you want to feel? 
I want to feel light. I want to feel vibrant. I want to feel joyful. Right in the middle of lockdown, when I'm coaching people in Queensland who are free as a bird, for me, it was about you're going to show up light, vibrant, energetic here in your lockdown, day number 625, whatever. <laughs> um, it was about really training the brain. And if we're not in charge of the brain, it will be in charge of you. So this is about making sure that you have great structure, great affirmations, great attitude, that you're upgrading it so that you are not the victim and the blame game, that you're 100% responsible. Okay, well, if I fell off my bike, I need to readjust things and I need to retrain my brain not to be afraid and I need to um, get a coach to help me through some technique. And if that's really what it's about. And a lot of people... Um, you know, in lockdown last year, I actually hired myself a coach, like a master coach who reports to Tony Robbins, the top coach that I could find to make sure that I pivoted as smoothly as possible. And I made the absolute most of COVID and lockdown. And I had someone in my ear every two weeks because I really wanted to upgrade. I'm like, what a time to upgrade. It's now. So the book is all about, you know, understand that you have a change, make sure you take time to heal. And these are the 25 ways that you could do it. Um, this is how you pivot. We need to start with our foundational piece. We need to upgrade our attitude and we have to set a fresh new vision for ourselves. It's, it's like, where's that roadmap taking you now moving forward? What do you want to create for yourself? And make sure you're in the driver's seat. So that brings me to my last question, which is around... Uh, encouraging us to look one, three, five years out, which, you know, it's pretty normal. But what I loved about your model was to look about today as well. So why is it important to look, you know, within those four time frames? Well, it's a little bit like thinking about you're going on a holiday and, um, you know, we're going to drive, you know, around Australia or around New Zealand, for example. And, if you're just living in Auckland and I and and you say I just see Auckland and if I say but what about if we go down to Queenstown and we get on the you know we go to Lake Wanaka and then we do a drive here and then we get a helicopter here your brain opens it's open for business it's open for opportunity so we need to think about life as like this map this road map and this plan so I like to throw the seeds forward about well, what's on my bucket list? What do I want to study one day? What life experiences do I want? Because I have to save for them. And I come here and knock on my front door. So when we are open to opportunity and we've thought about how we want to feel in five years' time, where we want to be financially, what we want to be doing with our study or our skill set or relationships um, or life experiences, it just means we start living we start being really alive because we notice opportunity that's wonderful thank you so much i think it's a um we're nearing the end of the year so i'm really delighted to be able to bring plan b to our listeners just as we kind of get out of covid and start looking to 2022 so thank you very much shanna for joining us Fantastic. Thank you for having me. And remember, everyone needs to celebrate, you know, celebrate themselves, celebrate the opportunities that we have moving forward and just take a little time to do that work on themselves. On to the plan B, take five. One, feel the pain of change and name it. Embrace the grief that comes with change. Two, 
Understand your emotions, soften them, accept them without judging them. Three, sink into self-care. Your health is your wealth, heart, mind, body and soul. Four, define your values. Choose the three values that matter most to you. Use these to help get clarity about what you do and the decisions you make. Five, bounce forward, don't bounce back. That's the Plan B Books at Work episode done and dusted. I'm Anna Hughes and that's Books That Work, making work better. <laughs>